هاي هاي افريون ان شاء الله كلكم بخير ام اكسايتد تو شير انه اليوم عندي نيلي عطار على اللايف حقي فمتحمسه اني اشارككم قصتها هاي 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 اجين جود ان يو يو تو الحمد لله هاو از يور داي والله اليوم ام ماجن لايت از ا فيري فيري كريزي داي يعني جنان اليوم بس ات اي لايك بيزي دايز بيتر ذان دوينج ذات ابسولوتلي ثانك يو فور بينج اون ماي لايف فيرست اتس ريلي ا بليجر اي بين فولوينج يو فور كويت سام تايم اند يو برينج ا لوت اوف بوزيتيفيتي تو واتشينج يو برينجز بوزيتيفيتي يعني تحمسي الواحد انه يشتغل انه يعمل رياضه ويشتغل على نفسه سو ليتس ستارت توكينج اباوت يو فيرست انا اي نو ذات انت يو ستارتد عربي ولا انجليزي خلينا عربي صح Uh, I think a bit of both. A bit of both. I also want to. By the way, I just okay. interviewed Joanna Chuck uh, a few weeks ago, and honestly, it was amazing. Uh, she's one of, in my opinion, she's one of the top skincare people in the world, and she's mm-hmm. on our live. So this, on itself, is a, a, a pleasure uh, for Hi, me. Hi, Joanna. Nice to meet you. It's an honor. <laughs> amazing. Um, so basically, I think Arabi. Um, so okay. basically, let's start talking. I know you were a psychologist. انت كنتي سايكولوجست طب نفس وبعدين يو ديد لايف كوتشنج وبعد كده تركتي وحولتي للرياضه البدنيه وكده فتلس مور اباوت ذات شور اوكي سو اي واز ا سايكولوجست نوت ا دكتور اي واز ا مينتال هيلث بروفيشنال وهاو ات ستارتد انه كيف بلش يعني ماي جيرني ان ثيرابي واز اي ديد ماي ماسترز واشتغلت فتره ان فولنتيرينج What I moved back, I was in the UK, or I moved back to Lebanon, or I couldn't find a job. So I started volunteering for the UN and working with people, and I started to do a lot of movement therapy. Well, I remember at the time I was thinking, uh, how can I be more useful? How can I use this time to do more? So I got certified in sports. I got my first certificate. Well, subhanAllah, little did I know that this certification was going to change my career later down the line. Um, so a year later, I moved back to Saudi. I started working in therapy here. Um, and I worked in therapy for about three to four years. But then I worked in life coaching. This was in 2013. There weren't a lot of female gyms. There was no opportunity to do a lot of women to do a lot of women. There was no opportunity to do a lot of women to do a Absolutely, absolutely. And there was a lot of activities that we working hours. So a couple of months after working um, in the hospital, I decided to teach classes. I started classes. You were doing dancing at the time? And I know I want to come to a classic just so I do dancing. And it's like my joy. And I am jamming with and hip-hop and R&B. But then I came back to Saudi as I said, there are no classes other than spinning and basic things that are essential. Exactly. But when I saw your account, I'm like, oh my God, this girl brings so much fun, so much life. Movement is fun. Movement is life. And you, and opened, your, you opened your place called, which is called Move as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Exactly. And it's in Riyadh. It's in Riyadh, exactly. And it's, it's, uh, it's the first dance focus studio, you can say, uh, in Saudi. Uh, so basically, I started to teach dance classes. Well, I was teaching dance classes for free everywhere. Um, and then it started to pick up. So I'll start to work. I started to monetize it, started teaching my classes here and there, started teaching in embassies, but in compounds. Um, and I remember another, I was really nervous because I enjoyed sports. I did it because I enjoyed sports, not because I wanted it to be a business or anything, but I started to give it 
more time, more energy. I started to take more risks in that area. And then I started to get certified in different things like CrossFit, personal training, spinning. Um, and so I started to teach more classes. In 2016, I signed with Nike um, as their first trainer in Saudi. And then 2017, I opened Move, which was a space in a warehouse. Again, I was teaching free classes from there. I had no idea what I was going to do with that space. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm like, what do I call it? I sh shake your jelly with Nelly. I move. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I didn't know what to do with the space. But then I just took steps that I could. And I started to delve more and more where my heart took me, basically. And then uh, fast forward to almost four years later, move. this space became Move, which is Saudi's first dance studio. And now I, f I work full-time in sports. I left uh, the you know psychology. Say, and I studied in Boston. And when I went to college, I went to, I went to college and I was going to go study special ed and speech pathology, which is something that is far off from my personality. Even if you just look at my account on Instagram or anything I've done in my life, it had to be mustahil to do speech pathology. After like a semester, I decided, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do marketing because like, you know, so business at the time, which was, I don't even think what I really wanted to do. And then afterwards I did my, my bachelor's in marketing. Then I did my master's in management. I worked in finance in investment banking for 10 years. Wow. But Ten years. And, and during that time I opened, as you said, my, my retail store, which was honestly my pride and joy, which is like the business I love. بس عمري ما اشتغلت في هذا الفيلد يعني غير بعد like what six years of graduating and I opened the store and it was like a trial فأنا دائما أقول لما نروح الجامعة ونرجع نكتشف إيش إحنا نحب بعد ما نوصل like I think 24, 25 and you're more um, aware of your surroundings and more what you do يعني أنا حتى مثلا on social media for example I opened a social media page because it was about business and talking about businesses And then I realized people don't really like to talk about such serious topics. They're more into beauty and that. And then I realized that when I found my niche, um, which is the interviewing process, it worked. But I think now we keep discovering more and more what we really like. I discovered I like interviewing. If I go back in time to college, I would have been a dermatologist. Like, and I'm happy to see that you actually found what you love and you actually pursued it. وكمان انت بتشتغلي مع الحكومه كثير دحين في في الاشياء الرياضيه صح؟ Yes, absolutely. And I want to touch upon what you said. It's about trying, right? I think what we both did was try. Um, and and I feel like there's a lot of uh, passions that you'll discover. It's not one passion or one hobby. There's so many things that you might find yourself in. There's many things that you might discover that you love. But how would you know if you don't try? So it's so important for people to get out there to try. If you have this curiosity, get out. See what it's like. Um, did it uh, fulfill you, this job, when you actually, it was not even a job at the time, but did it actually make you happy that you actually left what you were doing? I didn't leave. I feel like um, I just started putting on more sports on my plate. And I still use psychology. I still use psychology in, in my work. And psychology still helps me on a daily basis in sports, as a trainer, as an entrepreneur. So I feel like my career just morphed. It's not that I left the field. It's, it's, it morphed into something else. Someone told yes. you, tell us about Everest. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about Everest. Um, uh, you get a sign. Someone is asking, did you get a dance certificate? Yes, of course. Hi, Mario. I miss you. Yes, I... Uh, oh, do you give a dance... Uh, do you, I, I do... Um, 
I am certified to certify uh, in dance and dance fitness. Uh, it's a class called Conga, uh, but I actually haven't done that. I, I just teach the trainers that move. I've worked with the trainers that move, but I haven't certified trainers outside of, uh, of move. I have a question uh, regarding um, <laughs> uh, regarding uh, okay regarding tra- types of dance. What what type of dance do you offer in Riyadh? Like, do you do hip hop, R and B? Tell us a bit more about that. Okay, so at Move we offer hip hop, R and B, soca. Um, we offer pole gymnastics at some point. We offer belly dance, uh, Bollywood dancing, Irish dancing, K-pop. Wherever the dance trends, um, wherever there's dance trends and wherever we find trainers that offer these classes, we have them at MOVE. Uh, I personally teach the dance fitness classes. So anything relating to dance and fitness and that overlap, I teach. Uh, but I mainly focus on the fitness aspect. So, yeah. Just a question. Do you notice that people love to include dance in the workout more, that they actually find it more fun? So they come to your class more because they kind of get bored of the day-to-day workouts? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I find that dance is a great step into the fitness uh, world. It was a great step for me. I used to dance first and then I got into everything else. And I see that a lot at MOVE. People come in because MOVE is not intimidating. Sports, the word, can be intimidating. Running is intimidating sometimes. For people that don't don't that don't move often or that are not active but when they think of dance they think of fun happiness um connecting with others and that's what move was about challenging your comfort zone learning being in the moment and it's a free judgment like it's a free judgment zone no one judges everyone expresses themselves everyone has a good time and that has been really helpful in getting people to actually feel the benefits of training and moving moving often. And that gets them into trying out different sports and activities. So that's what we've been seeing. Uh, someone's asking you, how do you encourage women in Saudi to get into health and fitness? By doing what I do, um, by offering classes, uh, by, we run a lot of free classes at MOVE. We run a lot of free initiatives as well, online and offline. Um, and I really try to encourage not just women, everyone to, to try different types of training and sports. Um, because you may like, for example, another, you may like animal flow and body weight training. Someone else may like Olympic weightlifting. Someone else may like swimming. So I personally practice different types of sports and I help with community initiatives. So I try to get as many people active and I try to get people to try these different sports. Um, and I use my social media platform for that reason to show what it's like, to show what the journey is like, the steps that you could take. So, so tell me, uh, what, how, so how has social media impacted your business? Do you think it's been a positive or a negative? This is a question I always ask everybody in this field. Definitely positive. I agree. Definitely. You know, something is about this, uh, you know, there's a lot of haters on social media. And I was saying the other day, day that this platform, even for my business, when I op- opened my account public, my sales went up 30%. And wow. Not- social media this is in the beginning when i first started and i wasn't even so interesting i think i just talked about business and buying and um running a store and having staff so basically um i do think it's a positive for many and i always say that social media is not for everyone if you have an account that you don't like just unfollow it and so tell me how was the how was the impact on your business how did you did you get more recognition uh tell us more about that aspect Thank you, guys. And don't worry, I'm going to get back to your Everest question. Yes, she is going to get uh, back. I, I will tell you all about Everest. Um, 
How has it impacted me? Uh, honestly, uh, so now that I started my account, my public account, way before I actually started to full-time in sports, my account was called Shake Your Jelly with Mali. I'm sure. And Nabila. Hi, Moni. We know um, so many people in common. It's kind of, it's a small world. It is. Um, and so I started with Instagram. I, I was starting because I just felt like it would be nice to share my adventures in Saudi and sports and training, not knowing that I'll venture into this, um, into this world more and more. And I didn't realize that this would actually relate to my work. But it's definitely helped with outreach, with exposure, with also promoting what we do. Move, Nada, actually, one of our, um, I think one of the things that really helped us when we started is because we were public on Instagram at a time that many studios and gyms were very closed off. It was a big risk. But I was thinking, how were we going to... You're ahead of your game. Which blacks, and I always say that you were avant-garde because I always say, if you didn't open at that time, your account's hardly going to grow like the pioneers. But blacks, it's such a positive thing and it's amazing to see uh, Absolutely. that you were actually, you, know, you did it early. Look, I was scared, to be honest, and I did receive a lot of warnings. Be careful, be careful, be careful. But of course, everything we did... We got consent from everyone, and everything we did was culturally sensitive. Um, but then again, we tried to challenge the norms about dance, about movement. You know, it's about movement as well. What movement feels like, what movement is like. So when people used to see that in video, that's what encouraged people to come and try and move. And so, yes, social media was huge for us um, up until today. Yeah. And another thing I've noticed, like, sadly, like, a lot of people look at um, workout moves as sexual. And in my opinion, it's far from it. Working out is working out. But showing a move or doing squats or something is very normal anywhere in the world. But I think in our part of the world, when you show women moving and doing things, it's considered, you know, like, oh my God, public. how, you know what I mean? And I think, it's actually something to show that this should be part of your life, working out. And I also, if you notice on my page, post workout videos that I do every week, because I really enjoy it. It's part of my, my thing. It's what I do every day. Every day I look good on camera, makeup. This is my daily thing. I actually am always training and I'm always eating <laughs> and after. So that's why I don't, I, I'm not losing lately. I'm glad that you were one of the pioneers that actually was posting about such things. And, uh, and look, I think it was a time when Sadi was already changing. I don't think I would have taken um, the risk if Sadi wasn't changing already and if I didn't feel that people were ready for this. Um, and I had a big support system, big support system for my friends that were training with me, to the training communities. One is one of them, definitely. Um, my family, my coworkers. So that whole ecosystem that I had, they encouraged me to try and take these risks. And it was women around me that were open and ready for this. So it wasn't, I wasn't pioneering. No, I think it was a collective effort of everyone around me. And I think Sadi was already... Um, welcoming those changes and I guess I just what I did right was I acted upon it in the right time that's amazing now question how do you get uh, you said you have a group of uh, very loyal people that work out with you so how do you get people to commit it's so easy to say I'm gonna join a gym I'm gonna come in I'm gonna or I'm gonna have a trainer but then half of the time they're not there so mm -hmm. and I've noticed that this is the hardest part to get committed to something so how do you actually um, get them committed Michelle Okay, 
Michael, Michelle, okay, uh, how do you get them to be committed? Um, Neda, I always tell people it's not about motivation, it's about discipline because motivation comes and goes. Today morning, literally, I was at the site where we're supposed to run and I convinced myself I don't want to run. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm lazy. No, it's cold. And then my friend's like, let's just try. We got out, we did it, it was done, it felt great. It's discipline. Discipline, once you have that discipline, like brushing your teeth in the morning, it takes minimal effort from you and you know it needs, it, it will get done. And, and discipline in a way is a sense of freedom because you don't rely on motivation, you don't rely on excitement to go get training. It's a given. Um, something that helps also with commitment is setting a goal. Setting clear, measurable goals. Like for example, in a month, I'm gonna do a five kilometer run five kilometer run in a month, then that gives you um, something to work towards and something that you can work towards every single week. Having a specific goal really, really helps in terms of committing. Because if you don't, then anything you do is right or wrong. If you train or you don't train, it doesn't matter. If you skip a day, if you don't skip a day, it doesn't matter. But when you have a specific goal and you also have a coach that holds you accountable and that helps you um, with a proper training program, it makes a huge difference. True, you really need to have chemistry with the person you're working out with. And I damn it, would. Rapport, of course. Now you're not going to go to work. You're not going to train. So of tell course. me, I know you got corona. And um, I'm sure it was really hard to get back into the working out. And I'm sure it was really tough for you. So tell me, how did that go? And how long did it take you to actually get back to training? Ah, man, this is a very sensitive topic. Um, uh, and I think a lot of people that are on here know why. Um, yeah. With Corona, the father this year. I, I, honestly, I didn't know you then, and just looking at the pictures and was so heartbreaking. For, how was that? How was that time for you? I'm sure it was not easy. It was very, very difficult. Um, I had Corona, and my dad had Corona, so it wasn't just about me going through Corona. My Corona didn't matter. Um, what basically happened? I was in Lebanon at the time. I left Lebanon. My God, my heart rate is so high. Every time I think of the subject, every time anyone mentions Corona, imagine, my heart rate shoots up. And it's something that we talk about every single day. So I'm having to get used to this, but it's helped. Anxiety, it brings anxiety. Matthew. Of but course. Also you, it associates with you with something that's very painful, so obviously. So that, yes, so this was back in October. Um, basically, I was visiting my dad in Lebanon. I left Lebanon and my dad was coughing on the last day. We didn't realize that he had COVID and I had tested negative for COVID. I come to Saudi and then my dad's symptoms obviously got worse across the few days. And then I started developing symptoms. And then it turns out I had COVID too. And not just me and my dad, our entire family in Lebanon, my uncle, his wife, their kids. We don't know how, where, who, it didn't matter. What mattered is that we all had COVID. So I was in quarantine. Uh, I did get symptoms. I had mild symptoms. So I had a fever. I felt extremely fatigued. Um, I had gastrointestinal problems. I had gas, like trapped gas, basically. Um, my stomach really hurt. And I remember feeling really faint for two days. Lost my appetite. Lost my sense of smell, taste. Had a cough. Like had all these symptoms, but they were mild. Uh, my dad, Allah Yerhamu, um, his symptoms, although he was very healthy, he used to run. He had no chronic illnesses, no pre-existing conditions. Uh, in a span of two weeks, he passed away because of COVID. And it just hit him really hard. And that first week of him having COVID and him being at home, we would talk on FaceTime every day. I was in quarantine. 
can't tell you how hard it was because I wanted to be there with him. Um, and we would talk every single day, talk about her symptoms. He'd tell me about how, how things are developing for him and me too. And of course, now that I was in so much stress, just worried about my father because you hear about all these things about COVID, which are true, which are true. We have the same strain. And look at how it hit him. And then I came out of it with, with no long-term issues that I know of so far. Um, but anyway, so my dad stayed at home for a week. He went and got checked up. He got his antibiotics in time. It turns out he had pneumonia. He started developing pneumonia. But he did go and get checked up in time. He got everything in time. He was very religious with me his medications. One week of him being at home, um, I'm, I remember I had a call with him the night before he was admitted to the hospital. We were just having that like call, telling him how much I love him. And I just had so much stress going into bed. I wake up to a message saying that my dad's in the hospital. Um, and it just, it was him. It, it was him in the hospital for one week and then he passed away. Just one week, imagine. That's how hard it hit him. Um, and the day he was admitted to the hospital, my symptoms went away. It's crazy how it worked. I don't know how my body worked with me. I even tested negative for COVID 10 days into me having COVID. I managed to get back in time to Lebanon. I tested again. I was positive there, which again. is crazy. Yeah, I, I tested as soon as I arrived and I was positive. So I don't know what had happened. I don't know if it was a false negative. I don't know what it was, but my symptoms had vanished and I had symptoms. But I think I was so overtaken by the pain. I, I don't know how, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, ya Rab, alhamdulillah, I did not have any lingering problems with COVID. Um, and then anyways, I, I managed to get, get to Lebanon. I stayed with him two days in the hospital. Um, and then he passed away when I was there. He had a heart attack. And it's, it's very difficult for me to talk about this. Um, but it's just... And hard for me to, to hear when it's, it's a sad story yeah and i and i just hope that people take covid seriously because my dad took covid very seriously we all did um and he was healthy he didn't have anything and the doctors even told me when your dad was admitted to the hospital he had a 90 percent chance of surviving we didn't think he'd get to this stage it just escalated really quickly and he got blood plasma and he got remzivir or remzivir. He got everything he needed. It just, it, it, it took over his body. Um, and then my uncle, it took him about two or three weeks to recover. For me, it took about a week for me to recover. So each one of us, I guess it clicked on our, yeah. I mean, um, and in terms of training and getting back, Nada, uh, I lost a lot of weight. I lost about eight kilograms, but it's everything together. So when I think of COVID, I don't just think about the physical trauma that I went through. It's an emotional, physical. Emotional. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been only three months and it's, um, it's still something that I'm trying to heal from. Uh, but I, on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I, when you say the name COVID, it, it affects you, it does, it's definitely something that gives you anxiety, obviously, till now. Of course. It gives me anxiety. My hands are super cold now. I realize this. Every time I talk about COVID, my hands go cold. My heart rate shoots up because it triggers a lot of pain. But then talking about it helps. It's um, true. I had my uncle also this year from COVID, and he had cancer, but it was just the beginning stage. For, 
he just got it from the hospital when he did his chemo. So it was so shocking as well. He went in and suddenly like three days later, he passed away. So it's so it's also, I think a lot of people have lost so many loved ones from this marad. I think it will never be forgotten. Yani. Had the pandemic, I think, for our generation. So, okay, so it's let me ask you. Uh, about Sunday sports, one yeah. of the thing. Okay. Yeah. So, so actually, another what I did, which probably is not advisable, but I didn't stop training. I didn't stop moving. And this is what helped me emotionally when I was going through my COVID trauma and stress. I was teaching online classes. So that was safe, a safe space for me. I continued to teach them. I don't know how the hell I taught them with all the pain that I was going through, but I did. And I stayed active. And that was, without even me realizing, that was me healing through movement. Um, and I remember when my dad was admitted in the hospital, I was going crazy. I trained. I trained from the space that I'm in now. I, I just needed to move. I needed to channel the stress. When I got to Lebanon, in the hospital, I danced for my dad. In the room, standing next to him, I danced for him. That's so cute, actually. Yeah, don't cry. <laughs> These memories... Uh... نالي هتخليك كده شوي تفتكري بالطريقة حلوة. ما تزعلي. <تصفيق> I love you, mommy. Um, Mom. Uh, so. Tell us about Sunday sports. That, uh, so you were saying that you were training, and uh, hi, Mimi. She's here from Miami watching you. Okay, so um, I didn't stop training, and three days after that passed away, as soon as I felt a bit of strength, I felt as soon as I felt a bit of inspiration, I trained, and I was training and crying. But it helped so much. And, and I took it step by step because I was also recovering from COVID. So I started with half an hour sessions, bodyweight sessions, bodyweight training. And then um, Sunday sports happened, which was five days after that passed away. Dad loved his Sunday sports. It was his favorite thing. Every Sunday, he'd message me, tell me, Nelly, I drank this cafe. I feel good. I'm going to go for a 12-kilometer walk, run, jog. And we were supposed to do our 12-kilometer walk jog on the last day I spent with him in Lebanon before I left but he started to cough so we didn't do it together and so that first Sunday after he passed away I'm like I'm gonna go and run 12 kilometers I don't care how I feel I'm gonna go do it in his honor so I drank that Nescafe the same Nescafe that he loved um, and then I went for the 12 kilometer it was a walk run it was my first time running in like a month since everything um, and I put it up on Instagram and to my surprise, people all across the world moved in honor of my father. And it was so beautiful. It was so moving and it meant the world to me. It meant the world to me, um, to see people getting active in honor of my father and, and, and to get people moving and active because it's just so important. It's so important in Nada for so many reasons, for your mental health, for your well-being, um, if I if I was not this fit, I may have had longer, stronger symptoms from COVID, and um, and so ever since how I, that's how I knew you. I, I was like, who? Everybody's running for, and everybody. I, I was looking. It was all over Instagram, and Sarah, it was really inspiring that you actually did something mugati, 
كنت حزينه بس طلعتي حزنك في شيء يجيب ذكرى حلوه يو نو وات اي مين and people people you know another the first one that i did in lebanon i was running and crying i ran from that house allah yarhamu actually slept in his house house the first day he passed away i slept i i i i could not like not be around his things and be in his house and so i went running from that house a couple of days later which was the sunday sport i was crying and running and crying and running and then someone comes running to me and he was like are you nelly And in Lebanon, I don't think people really know me in Lebanon because <laughs> I'm based in Saudi mainly. Yeah. Um, but to my surprise, he's like, "Are you Nelly?" And he was like, "Nelly, I'm so sorry." And Nada, that meant the world to me. Like it meant the world to me that someone came and ran with me for two kilometers, and he was just there for me. And I was crying to him. And then someone else comes and runs with me. And then I saw the founder of Beirut Marathon, and she cried with me. And it was just so beautiful that all these people came and moved with me whether it was virtual whether it was online and it gives me so much more meaning in what i do and so much more drive in what i do today because my dad is the reason why i work i do sports he used to take me hiking and he used to he took me on my first climb and 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 he instilled this love that i have for sports and so i want to pass this message on to more and more people even more than i did for my dad as well in honor of my father and so the sunday sports thing i've been doing ever since he passed away till today today was sunday did my 12 kilometers um you do every, and every I, sunday 12 kilometers at least i i i ran up to 25 a couple of weeks ago uh but it's it's at least 12 kilometers and the beauty about it is i do it with people i do it with people physically and online till today I love every single person that has done this with me and I'm so grateful. Yeah, next time but I can't run 12 kilometers. I'm going to stop after like three. <laughs> do three, do five, do two, do whatever Four. you want. Whatever you can. I'm definitely joining her and I'm going to come and do a dance move with me. You're going to actually bring back so much joy for me. And I'm zaman ma khat classes. And when yes, I saw your account, I was like, "Oh my god, this girl makes me really want to go dance with her." And this is why I really wanted to interview and have you on my live and hisabik sa'id. It brings happiness. Thank you so uh, so Thank honestly, you. it's so nice to see that. So now there's this question from Everest. Everybody's asking you. I, I now I want to know what happened to Everest. <laughs> Tell us about that. Okay, so um, Everest happened in 2019. I can't believe it's almost been two years. Um, okay, love you, Moni. <laughs> uh, so, so Mona, actually, guys, Mona, the one that's been messaging on the uh, below, she was my tent mate. <laughs> We climbed Everest together. We went basically from every tent, hand in hand, fart in fart, and everything in between together. <laughs> okay. Anyways, on a more serious note, so Everest, um, basically, Nada, over the years, I've been climbing more and more and more. And in April 2018, my friend and I were having dinner, and he suggested, "Why don't we go climb Everest?" And I was thinking, "Are you crazy, Everest? Like, no, we're not ready." And and he was like, Nelly, we keep like aiming for bigger climbs, you know, bigger climbs, bigger adventures. Let's go aim and do Everest. I thought he was absurd. I thought, Aki, this is not happening. But then I go to bed that night and I couldn't sleep. I was in bed like this, thinking this has to be done. I I need to do this. So I asked my mom and my father. They both said okay. I don't think they know what I was asking. They're just like, yeah, 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 you could do it. Go do it. Go do it. Okay, sure. And that was it. That was the day I decided I'm going to do Everest. And so then that year was an entire year of preparing physically, emotionally, um knowledge-wise, understanding what it takes to climb something like Everest, what it takes to 
in terms of equipment, in terms of um, gear, preparation, and everything, every, all the fine details. Um, luckily, Mona came on board. Uh, I really can't imagine what Everest would have been like without her. Um, and it, it just all kind of came together across the year. We went and climbed and trained in different mountains across the year. And then in April 2019 till end of May 2019, we were on Everest. So it took 57 days. Um, it was crazy. I have to say it was extremely 57 tough. 57 days. 57, 57 days? days on the climb. Yeah. Wow. Um, sorry? That's Oh my God. Uh, almost two months. Almost two months. Um, and nothing really prepares you for Everest. As much as I trained, I thought I was like in the, the best shape ever. Uh, I was training sometimes. My training would go up to 25 hours a week. Um, and I had two coaches in the States. I had mentors that had climbed Everest. So I had the whole like ecosystem to support me. But when you're there and you're on that terrain and you're sustaining altitude for so long, for two months, you're sustaining altitude. It's kind of like COVID because your, your body is deprived of oxygen for so long and everyone has to wear masks and buffs uh, because you have to protect yourself from getting sick from anyone else. You keep hand, sanitizing your hands. It's, quite similar in a way and you're in your own bubble um but imagine you're sustaining altitude for that long your immunity is so low you're constantly moving you're just you're you you feel more and more drained across the two months so nothing really prepares you for what you see and what you go through the the weather we saw dead bodies along the way we had to walk over dead bodies um the, the emotional traumas that we went through it was crazy but it was one of the best experiences of my life, hands down. Oh my God, like I just, just listening to you, I'm like, can you head off the helicopter? It's a helicopter, my You know, I don't know if you know Raham Harrag. Yeah, of course. So First, her brother sorry. Muhammad and I always talk about people that climb. And we always joke that like, you know, it's such a nice, it's so nice to see such any dedicated people because me and him always make fun that we will go, take a picture on the top by helicopter, then come down. And I told him, but helicopters don't go there. Yeah, they don't go. They're they don't go and they don't, no, they don't. I mean, there's helicopters no. at base camp. Now, recently, there's been helicopters that go up to camp too, I believe. Um, but they don't land. So they drop but like a line. Did you, did you summit? Yeah, we summited. Wow. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, Amazing. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so, crazy. Just thinking of how hard it is, I remember, I, think, I don't know if Raha did summit at the time. I think Raha did summit. She did summit also. But it was really tough, I think. We were all together. Uh, so our team kind of split apart. Actually, in 2019, it was the second deadliest season in the history of Everest. I believe 16 people died in, uh, overall in the season. Um, and it was because there's a lot of traffic. The weather was pretty bad. Usually every season on Everest, you have about like maybe a week to two weeks of a weather window. So the groups split accordingly and they decide on what summit days they're going to go on. So let's say there's a thousand climbers. And they split across the 10 days. What happened with us, the weather was so bad that there were only two good days for people to summit on in, in the whole season, which is the whole two months. So you ended up having a jam of people on both days. And that's where you saw the queues and those pictures went viral. Um, but because of the traffic, it led to a lot of other problems. People running out of oxygen, people getting really tired, and fluid building up in their brain, fluid building up in their lungs, um, accidents happening. 
it, it just lets a cascade of other problems frostbite. So that's why you saw a lot of accidents uh, up on Everest. And it was honestly, it was really tough, really, really tough. Um, emotionally and physically. If you knew how tough would it be, would you go back? You'd still go back if you knew what you would have gone through, honestly. F yes. That is why I did it. <laughs> Hell yes. It is why I did it. Of course. If it was easy, what would make it special? Of course. So true. But would you do um, it something this hard again in your life? Would you want to? One and I are planning something. Stay another tuned. another uh, high, another uh, mountain? Time. Inshallah, inshallah. There's Hopefully one, this year. I think Mona finished all of her. She has only two left. I don't know. And Mona finished majority. Mona, you have two left, right? She has, I believe, uh, Denali and Karstan's Pyramid. Yeah. yeah. And you, how many do you have left? I have three. Denali, Karstan's Pyramid, and, uh, uh, oh my God, uh, Antarctica. Well, a good job. Someone said that you are their, actually their biggest inspiration. Vincent. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Guys, I'm so sorry. I haven't been able to read the messages as they're coming through because yeah. I can't multitask. But... Um, here, any tips for hiking and climbing? I have a question. Any tips for hiking and climbing? Yes, get out. Do it often. It's For me, I think it's the best kind of physical activity because it's multi-sensory. You're out in nature, you smell, you see, um, you move around, and it's just so nice to be on uneven terrain. It really helps strengthen your legs versus walking on pavement, walking on road. Um, and, and hiking is just, oh, Khalid. Khalid is my coach. By the way, guys, Khaled is my life coach, and he has been instrumental in helping me in the last three months. What is your purpose in life, <laughs> Khaled? <laughs> what is to, your purpose in life? To do what I love and make a living out of it. That's smart. That's a very good answer. Uh, you know, honestly, I talk about this a lot, which is basically people uh, wanting to pursue careers and things that they love to do, and they find it very hard and it's a struggle to actually make an income out of it. And I'm one of those people that left banking after 10 years and uh, opened, like when my store was actually able to actually make enough money as a salary. So, and then I actually left banking. So what's your advice for people that love, have something they want to do, but they can't sustain not having an income that is solid and um, they can actually leave their job. So tell me more about that, because this is something I always discuss in most of my lives. I would say step by step. Um, so that's what I did. I opened move. I still had my full-time job. I taught my dance classes. I still had my full-time job. When I opened move, um, and the name and the concept and the whole thing came together and I had my team only after the classes for three, four months started to consistently do well and pick up that I leave my full-time job. So it was calculated risks. I did take a risk. I did leave my job. Um, I did take this risk of running a business that, you know, was super new to me, but I didn't uh, do it impulsively and I didn't jump into making decisions quickly. I did take it step by step. And as soon as one thing started to work really well, that's when I let go of something else. Um, so it's like putting one foot in that, you know, it's, it's like putting a foot in that door and then having a foot out and just waiting, you know, until it's like a little safe. It's still risky. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's very smart because like I did the same thing. I opened the store, kept it. I used to travel for three days to New York and take a day extra off work to go for the weekend, do buying for the shop and come back and fly 13 hours back just to not miss my job. And I honestly used to 
like kill myself for the timings. But you know what? When it actually managed itself, I always applaud myself for managing to do two things at the same time. فبالعكس I, I like the answer. That's amazing. I also like your answer because a lot of people tell you leave your job, do what you love, which is not a reality. No, you no. You have to have a steady income until you manage at least cover at least sixty percent of your salary. Absolutely, and guys, now in this time, I think it's uh, now like life has changed. Life is a lot harder than what it used to be. Uh, work opportunities are harder to find. Life has become so much more competitive um, in in, no. in the business world. So I feel like you have to be even more um, cautious and sensible in the decisions that you take. And uh, I mean, I'm all for taking risks. But again, we're in COVID times. A lot of people are losing their jobs. It's harder to make income. So if you have something, don't let go of it unless you guarantee that you have something else. What's your advice for anybody that wants to pursue a career in sports? Um, it makes a huge difference when you do it yourself. Uh, it makes a huge difference when it comes from passion. Because sports is multifaceted. You could be... A sponsored athlete. You could be a trainer. You could be a sports entrepreneur. Um, you can run sports events, right? So, like, sports is very, very multifaceted. I think start small, and by starting small is you being the athlete, you being that client eventually, right? You being on the try what it experience. I mean, experience what it feels like to be on the other end. So, start off with being an athlete, and I think this is what helps me so much, Nada. Uh, and, and relating to my clients and, and relating to um, the people I work with, even working with brands, because I know what it's like as an athlete. Um, I, I know what it feels like. I tried so many different sports. I've been there. So I think for anyone that wants to work in sports, take that step in being an athlete, give it time, and try different things in sports because it's so multifaceted. Get certified in, in training. You know, try, see what it's like to run a class. Because being in a class is very different than running a class. Running a class, you don't necessarily yeah. train in the class. It's not about you. It's about your people. It's about your, your clients, the environment, managing that group. What you're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, some people don't like that. Some people think it's amazing until they try it. Uh, but then if that doesn't work, there's also running a business in sports. Um, There's so many gaps in the market. There's a lot of opportunities. But then also running a business in sports doesn't mean you're going to be doing sports. It means um, you're going to be the service provider. You're going to be the entrepreneur. So I guess try. Try. That would be my advice to try and see. But also try as an athlete. See what kind of sports you like. See what it feels like. And that will change you as well. Doing yeah. sports will change you. Another question you have. Tell us about your recent hikes in Riyadh. Are you talking about that last trip that I went on the weekend? Uh, we went to a place called Sabha, which is three hours, uh, three hours drive. And it's the first time I drove that long in, in Saudi, which felt amazing. Um, and the hike was phenomenal. The hike was beautiful. It was pristine. There was no garbage, thank God. Uh, the rock formations were fascinating. Like you see figures, you see like an augmented heart and then you see turtles. It, it's just fascinating. Um, and the, the, the scenery changes. It goes from like looking kind of purplish to looking, um, to having that desert feel. Um, and it, it was just so nice. There was a lot of ascents and descents and there was a lot of scrambling. 
And I've been I've been traveling a lot locally to, to explore these places. And I have to say there are some amazing hikes in Saudi. Guys, if you live in Saudi, get out, travel, see what it's like to hike around. Uh, do you consider yourself an, an Arab role model? Because I think you are. I think you are. I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, well, I do. And, and it's so nice to see someone like this in fitness and that, you know, promotes sports. And I know you're working a lot with the government, as I promoting fitness in Saudi, with the Ministry of Tourism and also Riyadh. Uh, Ministry of Sports, Ministry of sports so and Sports for All. Yeah. Uh, so I started um, basically when the General Sports Authority was first uh, founded or when it first came together, I used to actually volunteer for them um, in devising programs and, and putting plans together. Uh, but then over the years, I helped them in events. So I led the first official female run in Saudi. Um, I've partnered with them in a number of events. Move last year, partnered with Sports for All to deliver dance all across the country. So we went to Ha'il, Abha, We went to Jeddah, Khobar, and every day we danced with 1,500 kids. And that was right at the start of the oh. pandemic. Um, it, it was amazing. Sarah, it was amazing. I see on, on uh, YouTube all the time, it's like all these people wearing white, and I don't know what's the song called. It's like very to the African. Jerusalem. <laughs> and, and they're actually holding plates, you know what? Yeah, yeah, it's Jerusalem. You need to do that video. We did. We did do that video. I didn't see it. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. We did it from my backyard. Lavis, we need to see it because uh, the live. Is it on Instagram? It's on Instagram. I'll send it to you. But I mean, you need to do something like this world around Saudi in the summer. Absolutely. Inshallah, inshallah soon. Yani. This was a huge step to go and offer dance all across the country. That was a huge step for Saudi. And it was a huge step for me, career-wise, to, to be doing that with my business and partnership with the government. Um, but then the pandemic happened. And during the pandemic, I worked a lot with Sports for All. Uh, I'm an ambassador to them, which is an honor for me, Sadaha. Uh, I love what they do, and I love that they advocate for sports. No, them Sports for All, what, it's an application? What is it, sorry? Sports for All is a federation. It falls and under it, the Ministry of Sports, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, amazing. was for mass participation and you're getting people active, everyone. Um, it's, it's for everyone. It's for, uh, for the kids, for adults, for the elderly, for youngsters. Um, yeah, and, and so I've been, and, and during the pandemic, I've helped them with online programs, with talks, uh, with devising programs. And so, inshallah, I continue to support them. And um, this is what I pretty much do with the, with the government. That's um, amazing. And honestly, it's so interesting to see a country that has started sports so late, uh, officially, and it has so many credible uh, like people in the field in the country. And we, like, I don't think Saudi has a lot of female trainers that are amazing, and there's a lot of passion in this field. Maybe. So nice to see you, Annie. And uh, I really also want to connect you with a friend of mine in Jeddah, Rawan Zahran. She's also the owner of Sweat Army. Inshallah, next time you visit, like, I want you to do something there. Inshallah, inshallah. Yeah, there are a lot of inspiring women, up-and-coming businesses. I'm getting impressed, Yanni. I, I get surprised every single day to, when, I see, when I hear about a new gym, a new concept. It's amazing. And it's amazing how you quick... Consulting, <laughs> consulting What? for sport. Sorry? You should do consulting for sports. For... I, I do. I do. I work with uh, certain companies and, and uh, I, I devise wellness programs for them. And I consult for different events and programs, especially when it comes to dance. Um, 
and now Saudi Kemen has theater and they're they're doing events so there's a whole yani there's a new Kemen dimension where entertainment and sports overlap um and it's just amazing to see how quickly people have responded to the change and how quickly everything flourished yani thinking about where life we're also 70% between the ages of 15 to 24. I feel it's such we're such it's such a young it's a, it's a young generation. So Absolutely. Obviously like you know they're going to be into fun things like dance and sports and music. It's like I feel it's so hard to not be into this. Like even us growing up and I I'm like I'm a lot older than you. It was always about TV and music and stuff and no I'm a lot older than you. I'm 37. <laughs> I'm I'm 31. Oh, what love is anybody? Yeah. Like? Because I'm just saying, at our generation, it was always about music and it was always about sports, yet it was not available in schools except like one class a week. Uh, and I did, we did all the sports بعد المدرسة. We did basketball and tennis and all that and spinning بعد المدرسة because our, our mothers made sure that we actually do this after school. But it's so nice to see that it became part of our lives and part Absolutely. of actually... You should be on Mo Islam's podcast. I don't know if you have yet already or not. Yes, Sarah. yes, I have. I, 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 yes, of course. And hi, Muhammad. There's another guy <laughs> called Muhammad from Egypt and Mommy again. Um, and what I wanted to say, Nada, is actually there's an area called Wadi Hanifa Biryad. We used to train there five, six years ago. We used to cycle. And it was always a risk cycling, not wearing abai at the time. Um, and... we would never find people there like people would mind their own business if we ever saw anyone if we ever saw a cop but it would just be us and basically Wadi Hanifa cycling there now I get there at 6 a.m there's already dozens of people running dozens of people cycling dozens of people walking in the trail using the stairs and it's just amazing to see like more and more people are incorporating sports in their daily life because we are meant to move we're designed to move Sports is not a luxury. Sports is not something that maybe we should if we have time. No, it's it's something that we we make time for. We must make time for every single day. Um, and it's if you can't make, it's, it's, it's a, a way, way of life. life absolutely. It's like eating clean. Eating clean is something important because it's not something that has to be extra. It ha- this has to to be your way of life, your way of living. But the awareness is amazing. Like, I don't remember when we were kids, Omri talat at the back of anything. And what was the sugar level or what was the sodium level? We had no, um, how can you say it? it was, you know, these things were not common. Yeah. Did we yeah. even think about what organic was? Omri talat, you know, organic faka or organic chicken? Never. But Shufi, yes. And Shufi, where we got to, we got to a world that's very polluted. We got to a world that's filled with diseases. Um, cancer, cancer rates are skyrocketing, obesity rates and all sorts of problems relating to food, training, movement, quality of life. So I think this is why awareness has uh, definitely improved over the years. We have like four minutes left. But anyways, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on my live. Thank you so and, much for having me. No, thank you for being, I'm going to see if you have any good questions. Uh, when is Move reopening? <sighs> I'm not sure. We're online for the time being. Uh, I love you, Nelly. I love you, Bethma. Any plans to climb K2? I would love to. I would actually love to. If my mom agrees, my mom is on this live, then I'm going to go do it. <laughs> And then you have, I'm so proud of you. Another Thank from you. Bethma. Um, do you give online classes? Yes, you do. Just tell them how to join. I'm, th- I'm teaching an online program called Stronger From Home. 
um, that is based on strength, endurance, and mobility. We have three live classes a week, um, and it's a closed group. Every month, I have 20 women that I train. So Aya, reach out to me, please. Um, reach out to me on my Instagram, and I'll give you the details because I'm starting to onboard people for March. Okay. What are your views about the recent death at K2 this month of some famous mountaineers? It's very, very unfortunate. Uh, they were some of the top mountaineers, extremely, extremely experienced, very respected and admired in the mountaineering world. And it was very unfortunate. Um, uh, but this is, this is the dangers of mountaineering. Um, and they, they, were, they were doing something that was extremely, extremely admirable and risky. They were doing K2, which is one of the most dangerous climbs. And it's the second highest peak after Everest. And they were doing it in winter. Um, and yeah, and, and they disappeared. Some of the, the climbers uh, went missing. Um, and they were just pronounced dead a couple of days ago, officially. And one of the climbers slipped and, and passed away. So Allah may they rest in peace. And they, 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 di they passed away doing what they love. So I hope this gives their families uh, comfort. Okay, um, what is what your is perspective on health in Saudi? It's improving. It's definitely improving. I think we still have a long way to go. Definitely with the vending machines, still having chips and chocolate. And a lot of the supermarkets on the checkout, it's all chips and chocolate. There's a long way for us to go, but we're moving in the right direction, step by yeah. step. Slowly but surely, I always say. Slowly but surely, exactly. Look at this. Oh, thank you. That's sweet. Okay. <laughs> Any, um... I hope you move. I hope this encourages you to move. To PhD, Ima. Look at this one. Would you come and hike with us in Egypt? Yes. Hamad, I'm actually planning a climb. Um, I'm planning to come visit Egypt as soon as the airport opens. Um, so definitely, Muhammad. We'll go together. Uh, this one. You best, your best peak moment and your best feeling. My best peak moment. Uh, I would say best feeling comes from um, challenging myself in sports. My best peak moment. I hope to. I, I would like to think that it still lays ahead of me. I'd like to think that I still did not go through it yet. Didn't find it yet. Yeah. Uh, last question. Uh, it's not a question actually. It's just a comment. Uh, someone telling you thank you so much for this live. I think Nelly, I'm so happy. Thank you guys yeah, I'm so, so much. Happy. Thank you're you. Such a, you're such a fun, easygoing personality. And I told you the lives are very casual, laid back. You're, you're, you're amazing, Nada. And, and thank you yeah, for... COVID, And the first interview I did was with my gynecologist who gave birth to my son. And we talked about like uh, subject, like about women and birth and all that. Then I talked to my dermatologist and we had him on my lab. And then I was like, why am I just calling people I know? Why don't I approach people from abroad that I always wanted to know more about or the doctors I know about? Then it started that way. Then I got into health and wellness and people about and, and like uh, mental health and slowly started developing into different topics. What they like most is still skincare, I've noticed in my page, but uh, <laughs> really. But like, for example, next week I have, uh, after tomorrow, I have Caroline Stanbury on my live from the podcast Divorce Not Dead. You have to watch her. Oh, interesting. And, uh, okay. Yeah. And, and then next, the week after, I have a doctor from LA who specializes in egg fertility. And he's going nice. to talk about freezing eggs versus, uh, freezing eggs for women 
in their 30s to basically, if they're not married, to actually be able to have kids later. Very interesting topic. I, I, I've, I've, this has been like coming up a lot and a lot of discussions lot. with my so friends. I decided yeah. to get the best of the best to actually discuss it. And honestly, like, it's so, this brings me so much joy to share information because on a platform that is very shallow sometimes, like Instagram, you have to have nice pictures and do photography and everything, which is part of my job. But at the same time, I feel I'm a lot more than just like a, a face and an image and a dress and an outfit. I feel like it's nice to have a platform that shares stories because I'm, I'm not going to be exciting every day. My life is very boring. I have no, absolutely. And another so platform to share. And, and I always used to tell people that work in agencies, like I wanted to find my niche. My niche is this. And now I'm going to have my podcast and my YouTube channel. And uh, I think that the road to self-discovery is very interesting. We all discover more things about ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's amazing, Nada, because you're using your platform, you're using your voice to spread information and to also get this information from experts in the dom in, in the areas. Exactly. So, yeah, because you can't be talking about things that you don't understand. Like, I'm not clear. Oh, it's clothing. Instagram is clothing. Anyways, but um, I, I, I want to just say you're a natural. Another consider doing a podcast, yeah, because honestly, I, I you're. It. It's done. It's done, and our life is going to be on the podcast. But I'm. Ah. I'm, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, amazing. Okay, guys, go check out her I'll podcast. Then. Podcast and okay. Okay, please do. Okay. And now I that was in person. Me really. too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> it was so lovely yeah. speaking to you, and guys, I, I love you all so much. Love to you all. Thank you so okay. much, everyone. Thank you, Nada. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.